Oh, there we go. Uh, we are in session five. Um, session five of um, the Old Testament uh, history. And today we are looking at first and second Samuel and first Kings. So last week we looked at um, Joshua, Judges and Ruth. And we looked at the, the period of theocracy where um, God is in charge, God is king. And, um, but the uh, once we... Uh, continue to go through Jewish history, especially when we're dealing with today, we see that um, that the people didn't want God to, to rule over them in that manner, but they wanted a military leader um, because they got tired of beating, getting beat down by the Philistines. And so last week we looked at theocracy and how um, every time um, Israel got in trouble, God will raise up a judge um, to bring them out of their, their trouble. And so we see the, the same cycle uh, that they went through um, just about every time where they everything was going well, they began to worship foreign gods. Um, then God will put them under captivity of another nation. They begin to cry out to God. God will raise up a judge. They will repent. And uh, so the cycle will go over and over again. And um, one thing that we, we looked at last week is that um, judges, they didn't happen just kind of uh, one after another, but some of them were serving simultaneously. Um, judges, they were over a region rather than um, a whole nation. And one thing that we're going to learn today, the difference between a judge and a king uh, the judges, they rule over certain territories or certain regions, whereas the king, they have national rule. So that is a difference between the judge and the king. And so um, and so that's what we looked at last week with the uh, theocracy, looking at the period of the judges. And um, it's important for us to become familiar with this period uh, because we see how God is dealing um, with the people of Israel. And so now we're coming into um, the period of monarchy and we're going to be looking at the united um, and divided kingdom. And so when you look in your book on page, I believe it's 120, let me see here. Nope, it is on page, I just looked at it too. Let me see here, on page 108, that's it. On page 108, you'll see uh, the next period that we're going into, which is the monarchy period. And the monarchy period is divided into three periods, the united, the divided, and single kingdom. And so we're going to look at um, how um, these kingdoms, uh, how the division um, took place and, and where in time did it, did it take place. And so uh, we just got done with the period of judges and the, the uh, period of judgments. Uh, judges, they're broke, it's broken up as well in three segments. You got settlement, conquest, and judges. And so uh, we see um, Israel settling in their land. Uh, I mean, settlement, they're, they're going out, they're conquering the land. Then we um, see their conquests in that. And then once they become settled, so it's conquest, settlement, judge, judge, sorry. Um, and so once we see them settle in their land, um, then we begin to see their, uh, their stewardship 
in that in that land. Okay, and so that's why um, we call these books the Deuteronomistic books because it's it's about the stewardship of uh, of Israel. Okay, so are are there any questions or comments from last week? or any comments or questions from your reading from this week. Um, wants to make sure I afford you all that opportunity. Um, this is the time you can do that. We're good. All right, cool. I was just making sure that you all didn't have any questions. Maybe you were looking over your notes and needed some clarity on some things. Um, like I say, every week, anytime you all have questions or comments or concerns um, throughout the class, you're able to, uh, Dale, go ahead, I see your hand up. I gotta get off mute first. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning, all. Um, yeah, in the readings last night, I was just wondering, it stated it, but it actually didn't explain it. Why was um, first and second Samuel split apart? Oh yeah, um, that's just through through editing. And it said, I think in the third century um, BC when they were um, putting uh, these books together. So third century BC was about 400, 300 BC, uh, 300 um, time frame. They they just decided to split split the um the book up so it wasn't really like a particular reason they just decided to to split it up <laughs> so yeah okay um also my 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 next question was uh on page 107 mm-hmm. in the book it uh was talking about Saul and how his he fell from the grace of God. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the book stated that uh, that he feared man more than he feared God. Yeah. Is that factorial? Because that kind of almost sounds kind of personal. Uh, it, actually, when you begin to read about the story of Saul, um, that was the case because of how um, God will give him a direct uh, command and he would he wouldn't fulfill that direct command. He will do um, he will do it the way that he uh, would think that the people would be pleased. And so one instance is that um, God told him to go kill the Amalekites right. and, and yes, everything, uh, destroy the spoil kill everybody or whatever. Um, Saul did not do that. He killed some of the spoil and kept the good spoil. He killed some of the people, but kept the king alive. And, and so did that uh, because he thought what was right um, versus what God thought or what God wanted or whatever. So his, his loyalty and his uh, honesty and his reverence to God was lessened because he decided to do whatever he wanted to do, or um, he saved the good spoil for the people, or you know things of things of that sort. So he did um, exalt the people above God. So yeah, that's a, that's a factual statement right there. Okay. Yeah. Or the, another example is when he decided 
that they had been waiting for Saul. I mean, sorry for, yeah, they had been waiting for Samuel too long. Yeah. And he decided to offer a sacrifice himself instead of, you know, just waiting on God's instructions. Yep. That's another, that's another. So we'll, um, when you continue to read, you'll see Saul's disobedience over and over and over again. And Samuel had to, you know, get him in place and, and things of that sort. And so eventually, you know, God uh, anointing, God's spirit left from Saul due to his disobedience. So, yeah, yep, he definitely exalted himself, he exalted man above God. That's why we see um, in this in this book here, we will see obedience to God is better than to give him sacrifices. And so that's where that scripture plays in. We say it all the time, but this, this is where it, it takes place. So we, he, so God don't care nothing about you saving the best spoil for me and you're doing this for me. But if you're not doing exactly what I told you to do, then all of that is rubbish. And so Samuel, I mean, Saul couldn't get that in his head for some reason, because he, he still did what he thought was right rather than doing what God commanded for him to do. So, yep, that's a good question. Any other comments or questions? All right, cool beans, cool beans, good start. That's, that's, those are good questions. And uh, let's go ahead and hop into um, our lesson here for today. Um, so we're looking um, at 1 Samuel. And so we're moving from the period of theocracy, moving into monarchy. So when the book of, of Samuel starts, we're dealing, we're seeing the last of the judges. Eli was a judge. He was a priest and a judge. And Samuel was the last judge. So Samuel was a judge, a prophet, and a priest. So he had a trifold position. Um, and so we see um, Samuel, he was also a military warrior as well because he was able to um, uh, get Israel kind of back on track um, of their spiritual derailment, uh, what we read in the book of Judges. So he said so Samuel, he, he, he fought a few nations as well. And so, um, and so we're, well, I won't say we're familiar with the story of Samuel, but once you read the story of Samuel and um, you read about his childhood, how from birth, um, he, uh, because of his mother, um, dedicating him back to God from birth, uh, Samuel was raised to be a, uh, to, to basically to live in the temple, to, to live as a priest. And he was raised by Elijah. So once um, Samuel was weaned off of um, Hannah, um, Hannah turned Samuel over to, to, to Eli. And so um, he was raised um, in the temple. And so we, we, we are kind, kind of, if you're familiar with the story of Samuel, you, you'll hear, you'll see the calling of him being a prophet as well, hearing from the Lord. And, um, and, you know, he was getting, you know, up, he kept hearing the voice of God and kept getting up because he thought Eli was probably him and things of that sort. And so, um, and so now we're, we're, we're at the place where, Samuel is grown, and so he's now operating as a prophet, a priest, and a judge. Um, he's out fighting um, in the military, um, and so. Uh, but 
they're getting to a point the people are getting restless here the people are getting restless again because they they didn't want a judge and they didn't want god to rule over them they wanted a king and so we see the cries of the people um in in this um uh, in in samuel wanting a king because they wanted to be like other nations and so because of what samuel was doing of uh, uh he, you know he was doing his best he was um uh, fighting nations and getting Israel back to where they belong, Samuel felt some type of way uh, about that. Um, that they that uh, he believed that what he was doing was not enough for the people, and God had to reassure um, Samuel, like, "Look, it's not you. Um, that's the issue. It's me. That's the issue. They don't want. Uh, they don't want for me to lead lead them." And so that's why. Uh, they wanted they wanted a king and God had to reassure Samuel um, of his uh, calling and of his position. Um, That's powerful. That is powerful. Every, that is every powerful. time I read that study, it go over it like I, that is some powerful stuff right there. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's very it's very powerful. Right. Right there. Um, how God reassured uh, Samuel, like, look, they don't they don't care for me. <laughs> it's not you it's me so um and so let me let me uh so i think i'm jumping but i i just thought that 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 was a uh, really good place but let me go back to uh let's see here let's go in 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 the book um we're going let me go ahead and um hop into the authorship and things of that sort and then we'll we'll continue the, the storyline of uh, of uh, Jewish history, but uh, the book of First uh, and Second Samuel uh, originally one book. Uh, that's what uh, Dale was talking about. Were divided into uh, into the present two books in the third century BC. Um, the Jewish Talmud states that Samuel wrote part of the book, and that Nathan and Gad composed the rest. And so when you read that that passage in Chronicles, it talks about Nathan writing down the events that were going on during, during that time. So authors believe that part, part of uh, Samuel uh, was written uh, by uh, these prophets, Nathan and Gad. And so the idea of there being several authors does not detract from the unity of the books or from the doctrine of inspiration uh, for this study, a date of 975 BC is given for these books. So as we've been studying about the doctrine of inspiration, how God gives his thoughts to human language, uh, in, in human language, and that um, the process of inspiration, it, um, uh, editing is a part of that process. And it doesn't take away from the word of God. Um, it's just a part of the process of inspiration that God um, put in place, so it's it's com it's okay to see um, some of the some of the prophets and some of the writers doing some editing and adding some pieces to to the writing to make the story complete and things of that sort. It doesn't take away from the authenticity of of the Word of God. Okay, and so uh, we'll continue to learn more about inspiration um, um, later on. But um, the purpose of 1 Samuel, it says 1 Samuel is given to record the great transition in the national life of Israel as Israel left the theocracy and went into monarchy. Samuel was the key individual during this time as Samuel provides the account 
of his ministry. And so that's what I was talking about earlier. We're seeing the transition uh, from theocracy to monarchy. Monarchy picks up about 1 Samuel uh, chapter 10. Uh, we see the, cho the choosing of, of the king. And not to say when, when, we're, when we're doing a, a deep study on the fact that they wanted a king, wanting a king was not a bad thing because when you look at Deuteronomy 17, God told them that one day you will have a king and he gives the outline of what your king should be. Um, the thing is, once we um, read in the book, um, we see that uh, the fact that they were asking for a king, they were asking for a king prematurely and their attitude of asking for a king uh, was wrong. OK, so when you get into I think it's under Israel demand for a king, you'll see the reasoning. Um, you'll see uh, that uh, a king. Yes, God was going to establish, but they kept asking prematurely. And so God granted them what they asked for. And in that, God told them, like, when you get this king, they're going they're going to put a heavy burden on you. Um, they're going to put a heavy taxation burden. Um, and so, and the, so we'll, we'll see that when we get into, uh, first Kings, um, dealing with Solomon, when he was building, um, when he was building the temple, how the people were so burdensome because it was a multi-million dollar temple and, uh, Solomon built the, the infrastructure, the political infrastructure, the governmental infrastructure and the, uh, building up the bureaucracy and all that stuff. And somebody had to pay for that stuff. And it was the people. And so God warned them back in Deuteronomy. When you read that passage of Deuteronomy, the expectations of a king. Um, if your king does this, um, uh, continue to multiply horses and have wives and do all this stuff that is going to be a burden, burden on the people. And so now, uh, because of their premature uh, asking of a king, they're going to start seeing the burden or whatnot, okay? And so, um, and so that's that's uh, what we're looking at here on the purpose. And then um, of course, when we look at the basic outline in your book, uh, we're dealing with Samuel, the judge and the prophet in Israel. He was also a priest as well. Um, later on, we'll see that. Um, and Saul, um, the first king of Israel, and then the decline of Saul and the rise of David, okay? So we'll get into a few of the stories of Saul, Saul and David and their interaction and things, things of that sort. Um, when we look at the special consideration, it said this book begins with the birth of Samuel, uh, which was about 1100 BC and ends with the death of Saul in 1011 BC. That the foundational books cover about 90, uh, this foundational book covers about 90 years, okay? Um, let's see here, make sure I'm not um, skipping over anything. I kind of talked about a little bit of his, uh, the birth, um, the birth of Saul, um, definitely, uh, make sure you guys, guys read about that. But when we get into the ministry of Saul, um, uh, on chapter four in, in the book, um, it says that Saul was the key man in holding Israel together. Um, during the final discouraging days of theocracy. But even though some tragic events occurred, such as the military defeat of hands of the Philistines and the capture of the Ark of the Covenant, 
Samuel led the nation back to the Lord in times of military victory. The majority of Samuel's significant ministry is summarized in just a few words. Um, you'll see it in chapter seven. So, um, but there was one adversary that they could not defeat for some reason. And that is um, the Philistines. They kept, they kept whooping their tail uh, every chance, chance they got. And the people were getting tired. They were um, getting tired of um, getting beat by the Philistines. And remember the, the map that I showed you all last week. Um, let's see, not that one, but, but this one here. Um, here are the Philistines right in their promised land. They're right on the coast. Um, and they could not beat, um, they could not beat the Philistines. And so, um, and so that's why they, they kept demanding, demanding for a king. Okay. And so when you, when you get, um, in the book, it says on several occasions in the era of, of theocracy, the people of Israel has seriously considered the idea of having an earthly king to rule over them. But the idea blossomed to reality when Samuel became quite old. It appeared that the, uh, to the elders of Israel that it was a time to make the move to monarchy. The matter was displeasing to Saul and offensive to the Lord. <laughs> That's a big statement right there. It must be noted that the idea of a king was within the plan of God when you read Deuteronomy 17. But on this occasion, the demand for a king was wrong in two basic reasons. And this is what I was just talking about. First, the demand was premature. When God was ready to give them a king, he would do so. Um, David or, you know, the, or, or Jesus Christ. Second, the demand for a king was wrong because of their attitude was, was wrong. Okay. And it goes on. It says Samuel opposition was condemnation of the people's spirit and motive for requesting a king. They wished to be like all the other nations um, and having a king. It was a tactic statement of disbelief in the power and the presence of God. They wanted a king to go before them and fight their battles. So they didn't want God to, to fight their battles for them. They actually wanted a physical person to do it for them. And so one thing that I uh, was uh, that I learned uh, when I was uh, continuing to do in the study of the, the Ark of the Covenant and the, the tabernacle and how it's set um, in, in the midst of the people and when they took the Ark into, into battle, um, that was a common thing uh, for, for nations to have their gods fight for them in, in battle. And so God being in the midst of the people um, was showing them that um, I am I am Jehovah Gabor. I am the one that fights that fights for you. But the people did not did not want that. Um, they actually wanted uh, wanted a physical person to, to do that. And we see it in stories that how they will take the Ark of the Covenant into battle. And once they uh, have that ark in the battle, it was a guaranteed victory over them as long as they were obedient to, you know, to God or whatnot. So, um, for so now to say that they don't want God uh, to fight for them and and they wanted a physical person, it was definitely a disrespect um, and a displeasing uh, to God to 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 um, to have that request. Or whatnot. So, um, any comments or questions about that? That's a that's big right there. That's a lot. That's serious, and we still see it today. <laughs> yeah, we we see it today. 
we we definitely we definitely see it today how we don't really rely on God uh, on God's word uh, to fight our battles and He He gave us ways on how to fight and how to suit up, but we rather fight it the way that the world is fighting um, battles. And so yeah, then that right there. Yeah, and and the fact to consider that God desired to give them a king the way he wanted to do it with his heart and potentially God was already allowing David to be born so they were really kind of close if David was the answer so that Christ can come through that lineage they were really close and they allow the circumstance to miss it right before they would have had it. And they wouldn't have had to deal with uh, the craziness that they had to deal with with Saul. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, they were so close and they could just hold on so close. And I, I just, yeah, man. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the fact that they were called, called and set apart for God, but they still wanted to be like all the other nations. <laughs> They still wanted to be like all the other nations. Yep. Yep. They sure did. They they kept looking over at their neighboring nations and say, look, they got a king. Why we can't have a king? And they got this. Why we can't have this? And things of that sort. And God, uh, in some cases, gave it to them to let them know why they don't need it. <laughs> and so, yep. Uh, uh, Dale, go ahead. I'm still kind of stuck on why it took them so long. <clears throat> to defeat to defeat the philistines and i'm also looking at the physical characteristics mm-hmm. of the people versus mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying philistines were quote-unquote giants right yeah they were they were giant people and and the israelites were basically smaller so they needed god's help to defeat such a big <laughs> adversary or right. it wasn't just gonna happen at all because you know, so well, it, it's just it's just so yeah. I got a thought. I'm gonna let you finish real quick, but I got a thought. Something triggered my brain when you said that. Go ahead. <laughs> you say go ahead. I, I don't even know where I was going with that, but I was, I just got so stuck on how, like I said, you you got why well, it took them so long, and like I said, for one, you do have to look at the physical characteristics i mean you got some six feet people versus some five feet people i mean (laughs) i mean yeah it's gonna take some 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 out of worldly power or somewhere well y'all gotta have to figure something out (laughs) right right (laughs) and i guess they figured out that they needed god's help in order to beat these big old people (laughs) they just couldn't do it (laughs) right right. uh wayman go ahead no i was just thinking like they couldn't beat them but they didn't start seeing some some real real effort against them until david i mean they they were constantly fighting them though right i mean facts right but i'm saying Mm pre-david how much did we see like some you know some victory in battles like some serious stuff happening you know, because then we start really, really seeing some stories and reading about, you know, David really challenged that that other culture. And granted, yes, I know they was fighting them, but I'm just like, man, 
when we start reading about David, we start really seeing some, some victory over that. So, you know, that other part of my mind is like, man, you know, like they struggle, you know, because they were technically in error. Then here come a guy who is who God desired. And he was able to me to just make more progress than they made against them, against those Philistines. That's how I was looking at that story with it. When he was right. saying, like, man, that's crazy. Right. And God, the thing is, God allowed them to be yeah. beaten by, allowed them to be beaten by the Philistines. But when you begin to do a deep study of the, the Philistines, you'll see that they were advanced in military weaponry. They had some crazy, I guess will be considered their technology of weaponry was so advanced because they, they were using iron and a lot of other nations were not using iron in, in military. And so they will have, um, uh, not sweatshops, but they will have, what is it called? Uh, I can't think of the word, it just slipped my mind. Uh, uh, places where you create things with, I can't think of the word now. Uh, they would have places that they would manufacture weaponry. And so that's why, that's one of the reasons why the Philistines uh, could never be defeated because of their advanced military uh, uh, technology. And two, the Lord allowed the Israelites to be beaten down because of their disobedience. Are you talking about factories? Yeah, I was going to say factory. It was not necessarily a factory, but it was a word that I wanted to use, but I, I can't think of it now. But yeah, something like that. Um, they warned them before they were going to take the land. Like, as long as you're obedient to me, then you'll have victory. But if you're not, if you're disobedient, your enemies will prevail over you. I mean, he said it plainly, just like that. Just like that. <laughs> <laughs> so even with that, they still should have been able to do it through obedience. Through obedience. Gosh, no, gosh, gosh, gosh. No matter gosh. how advanced they were. If they were just obedient to God, they would have won. If they had to stay connected to God and stop desiring outside of him, they would have never lost a battle. Well. Never. <laughs> never. Yep. I want to fall on my face right now and holler. <laughs> but yeah, but that that is so true, though. That is so true. And just to think. Um, when they finally were able to beat the Philistines, they were in a place of obedience. They, they were under um, David's rule. Um, everything was pretty good, copenstetic during that time. And they were able to beat the Philistines because they were, they were um, in obedience during, during that time. David would then had reestablished that obedient nature which we always, now I always holler about that worship really is obedience. You know what I mean? Beyond, we always holler David worship. And I'm like, man, it's that obedient lifestyle that he lived that made worship so profound. You know what I mean? Uh, for him and how we ought to be somewhat looking at that today. But yeah. if we run all the way backwards, we will see that as was said earlier that before that was even Saul, God wanted to be their king. Mm -hmm. They didn't want him as, they didn't, they didn't want him to rule them. They wanted what every other nation had. <laughs> and they wanted a visible king. 
And mm-hmm. so with that being said, God honored it. You know, he, he honored it. Not as if it was not as if they took God by surprise. Understand he's all knowing. He knew eventually this was, was going to happen. And it already was even predetermined through the bloodline. But nevertheless, it was by their choice. They did not want God. So they ended up with who they didn't want, which was Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, they they kind of wanted him. They wanted him. But then they regretted well, I'm just I'm staring in the, rea- in the reality <laughs> of it. They didn't want them. Right. <laughs> they, you know how he was and what they went through. You know, they was who were, better off with God. Better off. Go ahead. Can Dale. I say, can, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I saw Dale's hand and then Lindsay. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, well, I was just um, going to hark back to the point of how the community was saying that the Philistines were, <clears throat> had all these great weapons and how simple David's weapon was. That had to be God. <laughs> a little boy against a giant with a simple weapon. <laughs> I mean, that's that's just to show you how powerful he is. <laughs> All right. Yep. Yep. Uh, go ahead, Lindsay. I was just going to say, I see, I, I see the decision of, um, that God made to to allow them to have a king a little differently. I see it as him saying, okay, I'm gonna teach you a lesson. Pretty much. More over than, than him just, okay, well you asked for it, so here you go. Because because if, if I remember correctly, he had told them, you know, he had told them that I would give you a king, but just not now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, but because of their um, anxiousness, you know, he gave it to them anyway. But he's like, okay, well, I'm gonna teach you a lesson. So I, I, I always saw that as a lesson, not mm-hmm. as just, not, not as a, not as a daddy just saying, okay, here you go. You know what I mean? Right. It was more, like, okay, mom, I have to teach you a lesson. Go ahead. Just what you asked for, you about to pay. Yeah, yeah. And you, you see, you see that pattern though in scriptures where people. Yep. Try- God for things and God gives it to them to for a lesson, you know, and even actually today. It happens today. (laughs) And Israel, if you really, you know, because I think we covered this, I don't know what class we covered it in before, but we were talking about how many times God turned them over to other nations because he was like, I'm gonna teach y'all. I told y'all, you either obey and everything gonna be a curse that was a blessing or not. And he just turned them over. So I'm like, all these other nations, the Lord used them to basically right. whoop their butts. Right, right. And the one thing about when I was doing my reading um, in Samuel, that God chose Saul, but the people did not want Saul. When you read 1 Samuel chapter 10, starting at 27, you'll see it says, but some worthless fellow said, how can this man save us? They despised him and brought him no presence, but he held his peace and says, now Nashash, king of the Ammonites have been grievously oppressing the Gadites and Rubenites. He will gash out the right eye of each of them and he will not grant Israel deliverer. No one was left in Israelites. Hold on, what was it? 
Yeah, but that first thing, that's a whole verse. No wonder. I'm like, Jesus, why have all that highlighted? Okay, so yeah, the first part of, of that sentence, though, um, uh, Israel uh, was still questioning the, the choice, the choice of Saul. How could this man save us? And they brought him no presence <laughs> after God chose Saul, anointed him as king. They looked like, hmm, I guess. <laughs> people don't mention that part. Because <laughs> we think what the people wanted. And Saul was just handsome and beautiful and all this stuff. No, there's a verse in there that says, why, what, what can this man do for us? And I think that goes back to mother's point. Like they still didn't want him, still wasn't <laughs> grateful, even though they hollered. At least God picked you somebody and you still holler. That's how you know they was out of their minds. <laughs> Double-minded in all their ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. So, yep. So that, that is something. When I read that, I was like, huh, I never put that together. <laughs> what you say he was still anointed god still anointed him for it he's still anointed him yep yep so that's why david couldn't touch him <laughs> listen because they out yeah because what we were talking about later on i said david had all rights to hate saul but you never really saw a drop of hatred coming from david towards saul like Saul was trying to kill him at every chance he got. But David still honored and respect him as king. <laughs> David, David understood authority and he respected authority. Mm -hmm. if, if only we would see that in our rulers and people that come to power today, both in the church and outside the church. Sometimes people just don't respect authority and don't even understand it and then wonder why their own rulership is jacked up. Yeah, there's some caveats and nuances to that statement that you just made, um, but I don't want to uh, deter the class and go left. Go ahead, Eva. Oh. <laughs> I just, I just, only thing I wanted to say is, is that, um, David understand that David had a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And so in his calling and his raising up or getting ready to step into what God has ordained for him to be, he had to exemplify God in every aspect. So right. he couldn't do nothing to, um, solve, uh, uh, he had to show mercy. He had to show grace because mm -hmm. that is the characteristic of God. Yeah, 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 good, good. Go ahead, Dale. I thought it was uh, very ironic in the death of Saul, although they said that Saul took his own life. The person that tried to take the credit of his death was from the people that he was supposed to, was to completely annihilate. Mm -hmm. And thus, he didn't completely annihilate him. Now, somebody's going to come back and take the credit for his death. I mm. thought that was very, very ironic of God because he said, until the day you die. And he did. And he did. Until the day he died. <laughs> I thought that was very, very ironic. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. 
So let's, uh, that's good, good combo, good conversation that we're, that we're having here. Let's go ahead and continue on um, uh, with the story here. Um, and back in, back in, in the book under, what, what section am I under? Still Israel demand for a king. We'll see in that paragraph that says God granted Israel requests and gave them what they wanted, but also warned them ahead of this new form government. And so um, that's why I was talking about the changes of government calls for heavy taxation under people under God's best form. There has never there had not uh, been no need for taxes to support a uh, civil government. There was no king expensive uh, or expensive court, nor no civil programs, authorities um, that people could live tax free. But this was radically changed when they received the monarchy. And so you see under theocracy. They didn't, they weren't taxed. God took care of everything. <laughs> God took care of everything. But now since you want this monarchy, now you got to be heavily taxed or whatnot. So, um, and then it says the bottom here, it says God wanted the people to recognize this unique benefit they have been enjoying under his prescribed theocracy. That's, that's so deep to me. Um, and so uh, when we get into the Saul's anointing um, as king, that evidently God gave Israel uh, the kind of king they wanted, but didn't intend to use um, him in a significant way. Samuel first anointed uh, Saul as king privately and then later anointed him in public. Um, let's see here. And then the paragraph, the last paragraph before you get to the decline, the next section, it says, although he was anointed as Israel king, some doubted that he could really lead Israel. That was the verse I was talking about. Um, but Saul's credentials as king were firmly established when he led Israel to a great military victory at Gabesh Gilead. Um, at, after this great victory, which brought Saul gen general recognition as king, Samuel stepped down as the judge um, in Israel. He turned the civil authority over to Saul and exhorted Israel to fear and obey the Lord. Okay, and then we get into um, the, decline, the decline of Saul. And you see the first step down in Saul, um, like when he impatiently intruded, that's what Trace was talking about, impatiently intruded into the priestly role and sacrifice animals. Uh, when he was confronted uh, with his sin, he put the blame somewhere else. <laughs> and so like Moses saw one act of public disobedience cost him a great deal. Um, and then you'll see um, the other, uh, let me see here. What's the second one at? I had it highlighted. Let's see. Oh yeah, the second one right after the second one, Step down, Saul's decline occurred when he refused to completely um, obey God's clear command. God had a score with the Amalekites, and that's what I was talking about. God gave him specific direction on um, how to slaughter and how to kill the Amalekites. But um, he tr Saul tried to argue his case, but was met with a scowling denunciation from Saul. As far as God was concerned, Saul was through as king. <laughs> and the spirit left Saul. A new king, David, was chosen by God and was anointed in private by Samuel. The emphasis of 1 Samuel now shifts away from Samuel toward David. And you see the disobedience. He's like, you know what? That's it. But he still remained in, in position for 15 more years um, as king. But he wasn't anointed as uh, from God. He, uh, the spirit left uh, Saul during, during that time there. And so uh, David, you know, became well known, his victory over the Philistines and the people began to chant 
and that got to Saul. You know, like uh, they said, uh, David slayed ten thousand, and uh, Saul, uh, Saul uh, slayed a thousand, or something like that. So, um, and so that got to to Saul, and Saul became depressed. Saul was a very he had some some issues. Saul was very depressed. Uh, you see him get to his low points all the time, and the only thing that could soothe him was to play the instrument from from David. Him playing um, his um, harp, or um, you know, whatever instrument he was playing, he uh, it would allow him to to soothe uh, Saul's mind. Um, so uh, throughout the life of Saul, he had a lot of battle, mental battles. When you look at it in that way. And he actually took his life. He committed suicide. And so that 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 speaks kind of speaks volumes. Once the, the spirit of the Lord left him, um, he was basically just tortured in his mind. Even, yeah, he basically tortured in his mind. And only the anointing um, play of David could only um, soothe his mind or whatever. But he had it out for, for David because of uh, his uh, success and victory and basically left Saul embarrassed in front of the Israel, the Israel uh, people. And so the final step, it says in the book, it says the final step in Saul's decline was his involvement with the witch of Endor. Now he's dipping into paganism. Uh, Listen, after- I was waiting for that part. I said, he- <laughs> now he's in paganism. And after the death of Samuel, it became clear to Saul that God has ceased all communications with him. <laughs> now he, sh- he for sure, for sure know that God had left him. Uh, when faced another invasion of the Philistines, Saul was frightened and sought the Lord. So when God failed to answer him, Saul entered to the realm of the occult. A man with so much potential and so much notable start ended up so poorly. The very next day, Saul died on the battlefield. That is something. It's tragic. <laughs> it's very tragic. So that was pretty much First First Samuel. Um, anybody have any questions or comments about First Samuel? That reading, because my dad used to make me read First Samuel all the time. Like he used to be like, read it, read it, read it, read it, read it. And I never understood why, but now I understand why God would use him to say, "There's so much pride and humility mm-hmm. that we see going on here." You know what I mean? And I one thing I've always and I'm using the word fear for lack of better words is that, you know, we at the Revival Center as leaders start out so well. And then all of a sudden, 20 years from now, we're just screwed. You know what I mean? Because we just lost it, you know, because we walked away from God and end up because we see it all the time and every time I end up in first and second Samuel, I'm always reminded, like, stay with God from the beginning and stay with him to the end because as you read and even through Kings and stuff, man, like they start well, you know, and then they lose it. So this is always that reminder of to me to remain in humility and remain connected with God. Cause I know where I am in the world and in God's grace that he ain't going to leave me. You feel what I'm saying? Like, but what am I going to do? You know? Yeah. So it's, it's, Man, like this, yeah, I want to fall on the floor and, you know, I used to just holler. Yeah, that's what I want to do right now again. God bless. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anybody else? Comments? Questions? Anything? Yeah, so I encourage you all to read 
First uh, Samuel and read it with with this commentary here with our with our book, and, it, and things be start uh, it will start to make sense as far as um, just the, the whole storyline uh, with Saul and with Samuel and things of that sort. It's 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 very very interesting. Okay, so now moving into Second Samuel, we got uh, okay. Uh, I'm gonna uh, do as much as I can. So. Uh, with the authorship of Second uh, Samuel, it's the same as First Samuel because we just said that first. Actually, the Book of Samuel was all one, but it was divided um, uh, in the third century BC. Um, the purpose of Second Samuel was to continue the account um, of the development of the monarchy in Israel. Second Samuel is the record of the reign of David, <clears throat> Israel's greatest king. The book also sets forth the elements of the Davidic covenant. Okay, so. Um, when we look at the outline, um, it says David rule over Judah and then David rule over all of Israel. OK, um, when we look at the special considerations, um, his reign lasted for 40 years. So David died about he was about 70 years old. He got to the to the throne about when he was about 30. He was anointed at 15. OK, and so he lasted for 40 years. And so you will see uh common with number with the number 40 okay so that's god's completeness god's wholeness um uh when we look at the, the number 40 you'll see it all through scripture um let's see here let's go for the first paragraph of the summary it says the book of first samuel concludes with saul's committing suicide on the battlefield um being wounded by the philistines the book of second samuel begins with david being informed of his death of saul and his, um, his sons, Bala Malachite, who was probably a mercenary soldier in Saul's army. Um, the man claimed that he had killed nearly, uh, let's see, he had killed the nearly dead Saul at Saul's request. Since the scripture indicates that Saul had been indeed died by his own hand, we know that the man lied. No doubt he was hoping to be rewarded for eliminating David's enemy removing the last obstacle of the throne, but David, who had himself repeatedly refused to kill Saul, um, looked uh, with anger on the Amalekites and had him and had him ex executed, condemning um, his own testimony. And see here, uh, as we when you read about the relationship with Saul and David, there were many times that David could have killed Saul. Uh, there was one moment that uh, I guess Saul was sleeping and he cut a piece of his robe. Uh, to let him know how close he was to him or whatnot, but he did not kill him. And it said, um, the next paragraph says, instead of rejoicing over the death of Saul and his sons, David grieved. Um, his sorrow was particularly um, great for his close friend, Jonathan. And so you'll see um, when the story was reported uh, that Saul died, David made sure that Saul's family was taken care of. He didn't just leave them. He didn't treat Saul as an enemy, but he made sure that his family was taken care of. He made sure Jonathan, uh, he made sure Jonathan's son Mephibosheth was taken care of as well. Um, the, the hand, uh, I think it was the handmaiden. She had a bunch of sons. She, he, he made sure they were taken care of as well. Okay. Right. I was about to say, wasn't, however you said, Mephibosheth, wasn't he technically the only one in the blood, but everybody else kind of like worked for Saul, if that makes sense? Or, was, or he was, she was the handmaiden. Did that mean she was having his babies? 
Because I thought Mephibosheth was the only one that was of bloodline descent. Everybody else was caretakers and people like that that was able to receive that from David. That was my understanding as well, that Mephibosheth was the only um, blood uh, relative or blood um, ancestor of Jonathan. Let me see here. Because um, he was he was injured when his uh, handmaiden right, was trying right. to take him away. Yeah. Let me see here because okay, make sure I get my stories in order because there was somebody there was another son of Saul was trying to get the throne um, from from David. So I'm just trying to make sure. That, yeah, because like, I thought David and them killed him too. Let's see here. Because it was my understanding that David was fulfilling his covenant with Jonathan to um, to take care of his heirs, you know, all all that he could find. And the only one he could find was Mephibosheth. Yeah, I'm gonna have to because I, I had it all straightened up in my head. Now I can't I can't remember. I should have wrote it down. But um, I think that that sounds right, though. But it was something. Let me see here. Okay. Yeah, it ain't no biggie. We can cover it next week, too. Yeah, so yeah. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I might have to look, look that up again. Um, yeah, yeah. But something, something, something like that. Um, but they, I thought Saul had another son. And um, he was trying to take the throne. Maybe I'm thinking about David. I'm probably thinking about David. Yeah, I'm probably thinking about David because David, yeah, his fourth son was trying to take the throne before Solomon. I think that's probably what I'm thinking about. I got to get these folks uh, straightened up in my head. So, yeah, that's probably what I'm thinking about. Yeah. It's a lot of them. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot of them. Uh, Yeah. So let me see here. Let's continue on. Okay, yeah, so it says David had the right to the throne of Saul's death um, since he had been chosen, anointed by Saul. God's prophet priest, but only the tribe of Judah was willing to anoint David and recognize him as king. Uh, most likely tribal jealousies, uh, which emerged from the time to time of Israel's history, uh, kept the other tribes from immediately joining in. So now we see um, that only one tribe acknowledged him as king. And so we see a kind of division of the northern and southern um, tribes. And you see that didn't really last long. Um, the division, it lasted for seven years. Um, it was a man named Ishbosheth, the son. That's, the, that's what I was thinking about. Ishbosheth, the son of Saul. That was it. Okay. The son of Saul was made king over the northern area. Um, he was supported by a mighty man named Abner. Uh, these two kingdom situations lasted for seven years. During the time, wars were fought between the two nations. As time went on, however, it became clear that the kingdom of David was prospering and Ish-bosheth's king, uh, kingdom was declining. Uh, when, a mighty, when the mighty Abner was murdered and King Ishbosheth was assassinated, the northern kingdoms realized that they needed to unite. So that's what I thought. I knew Saul had another son um, and the other tribes were recognizing Ishbosheth to be the king. Um, but only the tribe of Judah was acknowledging them uh, as David as being king because that's uh, what, uh, what 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 God wanted and what uh, 
yeah, and what Samuel, uh, he anointed him 15 years earlier or whatnot. So, um, so that's See, I thought that. he had been killed already. Yeah, I thought they'd been killed him before they did that. Okay, gotcha. ended up being killed um, because he killed the, Gib the Gibeonites and God had told them not to touch the Gibeonites. And when Saul did it, his sons were killed in revenge for that. Right, yeah. So that happened at the end of 1 Samuel, I, I believe. Um, I think, yeah, I think that was last chapter yeah yeah Ooh, it's hard to keep things straight but yeah um <laughs> yep i think that's that's what it was um tammy yep um let's see here let me go back here in 30 david oh ziglag and yep he was killed but i think so i thought mephibosheth was jonathan's son but i could be could be wrong okay um I'm going to have to read it again. Yes, uh, Mephibosheth was definitely Jonathan's son. Because David, David was trying to fulfill his covenant to Jonathan mm -hmm. to take care of his, you know, his uh, offspring, you know. Right. And so, right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. I know I crazy. I knew I read something like that. Uh, Eva, did you have something? No, I was going to say exactly what Tracy just said. <laughs> okay, okay. So I knew it was something like that, and I was like, no, no, wait, he had another son. So, yeah, he had uh, quite a few sons. So, okay, I got it now. Got, got it. All right. Um, so let's go back here to the um, the book. I know it's 1030 now, and I know I'm not going to get to First Kings or whatever, but... Um, and so we see here uh, the victories, the great victories that David uh had um he finally was able to fight the the philistines and um it says that uh, david was a capable military man who also sensed the need to depend on the lord god as a result david won battle after battle destroying enemy after enemy um in doing so david expanded and secured the borders and so um this when we see um all the green now was being conquered by david here uh, I forgot to put the other map up of David's um, land that he won, but I'll make sure I put that up next week uh, to show the land that he conquered as well. And so because of God, because of David being obedient to God, he, they were able to win battles. And we talked about that. As long as they're obedient to God, they will see great success. Um, uh, uh, Moses, was it Moses? Uh, mm, God, God told uh, Joshua that. In the first chapter, chapter of uh, what well, Moses told the same thing, but in the first chapter of uh, of Joshua, that if you just uh, obey, you know, obey my word, and you will have great success or whatnot. And so, um, when we look at the the accomplishments of David, David had a great military um, record, but when it came to his personal life, he he had a terrible personal life. He was a terrible father. He was a terrible husband. Um, he had a bunch of uh, a bunch of wives and um, he allowed um, one of his one of his soldiers to be killed in, in the in the battle line just to take his wife. And be, because of that, um, God told him, because of what you did now, your your son will um, your unborn son will die and that you will have to live with that basically for 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 the rest of your life. That that consequence of, of what you have done. And so, um, and so, uh, let me see here. That part under David's latter reign and sin and trouble. 
Um, let's see. King David committed adultery with Bathsheba. This, uh, who was it at? There was a statement here. And then he, he wouldn't even admit his wrongdoing in that. And it took the prophet Nathan to tell him of how wrong he was. And it says here in that kind of that last, almost that last paragraph, um, it says that God extended mercy towards David. His sins were forgiven, but Nathan informed David that there would be two results of his sin. The baby was born, that born to Bathsheba from their union would die. And David will see and experience sin and rebellion in his own house for the rest of his life. And from that point on, his sons were totally against uh, David. Um, he has so many issues with his family. Um, from that point on. Um, and it says that David did fail on a number of occasions, but he was still a man after God's own heart. He dealt with sin and drew upon the power and the grace of God to live with the consequences of sin. Okay. So that was um, kind of just summarizing David's, David's life. He had a great military record, but when it came to his personal life, it, was, it wasn't so, so pretty or whatnot. Okay. Um, so when you come into the book of Kings, um, you're, you're seeing that David, that David's, um, he's, um, getting old. It seems like he's dealing with some, some health issues because he's 70 and he's, he's basically on the brink of the brink of dying. And, um, so now, uh, they believe that, uh, well, David wanted Solomon to, to take, um, the throne next. But his fourth son, what's his name, Adonijah or something like that, wanted to take wanted to take the throne, and so. Uh, but uh, uh, let's see, the let's see, David ordered Nathan and the prophet, the prophet and, and Zadok the priest, um, to publicly anoint him and proclaim Solomon as king. So, considering the potential of chaos and unrest, this transition to the throne of Solomon went fairly smoothly. And so, one thing we learn um, under Solomon's rulership, that's when uh, God allowed Solomon to build the temple, uh, the temple for for him. Uh, he said that David couldn't do it because his hands were filled with blood, and he promised David that through his bloodline, um, that um, that. Uh, that this temple will be built and that the, the rain uh, from his um, bloodline will continue throughout all ages. And that's still in play today. And so um, we, we won't see a fulfillment of the, the Davidic covenant until the time um, after tribulation going into the kingdom age. We will see the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant where Jesus Christ coming from the lineage of David will sit on the throne and rule forever. Okay. And so, um, and so when Solomon was building this temple, um, it was a multi-million dollar temple. He developed, he developed the government. He developed the bureaucracy. Um, everything was in place, but like we talked about earlier, um, it, it causes a, a huge burden on the people. Um, and so Solomon, um, even though Solomon prayed, um, God granted um, Solomon wisdom when he asked for it. And he granted just be, uh, because he asked just for wisdom and not for material wealth, God granted um, to him, you know, that as well. But because Solomon asked for wisdom, Solomon did not have a great rulership either. Um, he allowed, he started marrying out of uh, all these um, other nations uh, from these pagan nations. And they began to turn him away from God and things of that sort and began to, 
you know, just do all types of things that were disobedient to God. Um, and so his, his record, um, when it comes to obedience to God was not, it was not well either. And in, in, in result of his disobedience to God, um, God took the kingdom away from him. So he left Solomon with just two kingdoms and divided the, uh, the kingdom. So there was 10 in the North and two in the South. And so that's how we get to the point of, um, monarchy of the, um, the, the divided kingdom uh, is because of Solomon's disobedience. So Solomon had two kingdoms, uh, Judah and Simeon, and then the, the northern kingdom had the rest of the 10. So when you're reading scriptures, it will say, oh, um, the king in Judah or the king in Israel. They're talking about two different kingdoms. So the king in Judah is the southern kingdom and the king in Israel is the northern kingdom, okay? So when you look in your book, I think it's on page 130, 131. Let me see here. It gives a chart. Yeah, it gives the chart of the kings. So when you see southern, you see it, it's not going to say in your scripture, southern kingdom or north. It may say that sometimes, but, the, but mostly you'll see is the king in Judah, so that's considered the southern kings. And then the king in Israel are the northern kings, okay? And as you see on this list, that um, the northern kingdom did not have any good kings. They had they had probably, uh, uh, they probably had three, three out of all, <laughs> three or four. But um, no, actually, no, they didn't. They didn't have any good kings. They had kings that influenced history, but they didn't have any good kings. But Southern, they had they had quite a few good kings. Okay, so when you look at that chart there, you'll you'll be able to see. And then when you're reading scripture, you know what territory is talking about when it says the king of Israel and the king of Judah. Okay, so I wanted to definitely bring that point out uh, just in case you were wondering or just never really thought about it on why they use the term Israel and Judah. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to continue the rest next week uh, when I continue, uh, when I do second Kings. So I'll just kind of do a review of first Kings, but any questions or comments um, about what we've gone over so far? Well, so I, not what we've gone over so far, but um, when you say something about a survey um, and I'm sorry, if this went over my head, are we supposed to be taking a quiz? No, no, no. Survey is just um, basically give, it's going, it's, it's giving you a surface level of um of a particular subject so so we're doing a survey so we're just kind of we're not getting deep into the scriptures we're not looking at it like verse by verse or anything like that we're just um helping you to get an understanding of the content of of the bible so uh so this is this is what we're doing now we're just getting familiar with the stories um, getting familiar with the structure of, of scriptures and things of that sort. So that's why it's called a survey level, because it's kind of, it's just giving you kind of a surface view of, of scripture. And so, yeah, that's it. Yeah. So okay. <laughs> last time uh, when I did the, the, the New Testament, I did have quizzes and such and things of that sort. But, um, but this time I, I didn't, I didn't do any quizzes, but if you guys want quizzes, <laughs> I can get quizzes. But, uh, but with the survey level here, it's just, we're just going over the content of, of the Bible, 
to be familiar with what's in the with what's in scripture. So I hope that answers your question. Yes, thank you. Okay, cool. Um, anybody else? I just wanted to mention that when I was reading uh, the lesson today, uh, the words jealousy and envy mm. uh, to mind, and I wrote that down. And when Overseer was saying earlier how um, people start off good at the beginning yeah. and then lose sight of what's going on, they get the big head or, or whatever and start going their way. And it doesn't, and that's definitely people, people in leadership positions, but it's also me, you know, it's, it's us too. And mm -hmm. so, you know, as while I'm studying with you all, this is just being very, it's making me very cognizant of um, my actions. Yeah. That, you know, and I do, I, God speaks to me and now I listen better. I listen <laughs> to what he says, even when it's something I don't want to hear or do, <laughs> then yeah. you know, I say, well, you told me to do it. So I guess I better do it, you know? Right. And, and I think a lot of it is because of this, the Bible study here is helping me because um, we're learning how to read scriptures and study scriptures and, and do different things. So it's, it's just showing us that uh, the people in the biblical times is the same thing that we're doing here. Uh, mm -hmm. time. And uh, we just have to, you know, pray and be more mindful of what's going on. That's good. That's good. Yeah, definitely allows us to, to look um, internal uh, when, when we're reading these, yeah, reading these scriptures and reading these passages and things of that sort, that's, that's, yeah, that's good. That, um, not just for leadership and their accountability, but personally, um, just, you know, just us, we have, um, some things that we need to sort out and we don't do too well being God. <laughs> and so, yeah, I thank you. Thank you for, for that right there. Uh, Dale, go ahead. Just real quick, because we did jump into First Kings, <clears throat> I was just wondering why there is a big time gap between First Kings and Second Samuel, and, that, and I was wondering is is that because the bo the books aren't in quote unquote chronological order? Well, you have you have a gap on um, when they were written. Right, 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 right. It but as far as the events on when they occurred, um, it's all kind of continuous. So, um, so at one point when we looked at the, the book of Kings, uh, when we look at the authorship, uh, let's see here, it was written, yeah, it, it is a big jump. So it, it, the authorship was about what, 606, they said. So, right. so that's, tells you that first and second Samuel was just, it was written first. And then finally someone later on wrote um, the book of Kings and they believe it was Jeremiah. They believe it was maybe Ezra things of that sort. So um, before they start writing things down, everything was told orally. So that you had an oral account of, um, of these events, but um, because of the captivity that went on, 
um, they found it necessary to start writing things down. And so, um, and so, yeah, that's probably the, the reason why there's a gap um, on when it was written, um, you know, because they believe Samuel wrote the book of Samuel um, and then Jeremiah wrote. So they must have just been telling these stories um, orally. And because of what the, uh, we're going to look at next week with the exile of Babylon and Assyria and all that stuff, um, they found it the need to start writing things down. So that's probably why there's, there's such a big gap in the, in the writings. So I hope that helps. Okay, um, any, anybody else? We're good? All righty. So I'll, I'll pray and um, I'll see you all next week. We're going to look at finish up first Kings. We're going to go into second Kings and first and second Chronicles. Okay. So Father God, we thank you for today. Oh God, we thank you for just allowing us to um, learn about your word and to, to see God, how you dealt with Israel and how um, that, um, how you dealt with Israel and see how that can transfer over to us um, as the church of oh God. Um, so God, I thank you for just allowing your words to be revealed um, in that time, oh God, and that God, uh, um, so we're at a, at a great advantage that we can see how you dealt uh, with people and what pleases you and what doesn't please you, Father. So God, allow us to be mindful of that um, in our personal and our daily walk, oh God the things that pleases you and the things that displeases you, Father. So I, I pray, oh God, that we are continuing to, to study, continue to read, continue to ask questions, um, continue to be encouraged. And I, I pray, oh God, that the, the Holy Spirit will continue to illuminate um, his word to, um, your word to us, Father. So God, I, I honor you and I, I bless you and I lift you up in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So guys, uh, you guys have a good day. Have a good day and I'll see you all later. Excellent class. Everybody have a blessed